Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed In The Game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move, and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell, and is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no! Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as The Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversations with sisters Lena and Petya Yanchilova, whose lives demonstrate that not even a communist regime can stop a dream. Their story is what's possible if you continue following the thread of your life. I have decided to read Lena's words directly to introduce them to you all because I was just so impacted when she sent it to me. I've even known these girls and been inspired by them for years on the international beach volleyball stage as they represented Bulgaria. I may have competed against them, but mostly I just rooted for them. I couldn't help it. You just can't with these girls. And now that we live an ocean apart, it was a post on Facebook actually where Petya had defended her PhD in astrophysics days before having a baby. This is a true story. And it literally had me, I stopped in my tracks. I was like, I asked myself, what do the choices that these girls have made in their lives have to teach us all? So in your words, Lena, I'm just going to read. Don't laugh because there's a little, um, maybe a little Bulgarian bit here. But this is what Lena wrote to me. She said, my dearest Svetsalina, and this is in quotes, Take a look at this letter. Someone must have thought it's trash and tossed it out. But I remembered what you wrote to me a long time ago, that you are looking for a way to leave Bulgaria. Looks to me like a recruiting letter to play volleyball in an American university. This may be your chance. And this was from a snail mail letter from her Cyprian pen pal with whom she was practicing English. And she said it would change my life forever. So many things were heavily restricted in communist Bulgaria, but the authorities could not stop a childhood dream, even if it was crazy and impossible. At 17, so this is Lena speaking, I went to the United States alone to attend the University of Idaho on a volleyball scholarship. Three years later, Petya joined at the University of San Diego. So Lena, when we were off record, she shared, so what is the story about Petya, how did she come to be at the University of San Diego? (laughs) Well, that's a fun story because, you know, um, I was deeply driven and my purpose was to get my family out of Bulgaria, out of the communist kind of yoke that we had on our heads. And, you know, ever since I was a little girl, um, I heard my parents talk about that come back from work and they were both very talented, very young parents, but they talk about this glass ceiling that they would always reach. If we were not a part of the communist party, they couldn't advance in their work. And so they would just like hit the ceiling all, all the time. And I, I started realizing how constricted our possibilities were in that society. So 
I was driven by wanting to get myself out, but also wanting to get my family out. So when I was playing at Idaho, you know, I kept thinking, how do I get Petya? She's three years younger than me. How do I help her get a scholarship um, to come to the United States? And we were playing the University of San Diego. Um, and I made sure I had a really, really good game that day. Uh, we beat them. They were nationally ranked. We beat them 3-0. Um, and after the game, I went to their coach and she was fuming. She was really mad talking to the girls, but I tapped her on the shoulder. I said, excuse me, I have a little sister, you know, that's still in my broken English, um, that would like to come to the United States next year and she can play for you. And the coach just sniffed at me and she just said, you know, if she's half as good as you, we'll take her. And I said, well, you're so lucky because she's twice as good as me. You know, and that's how Petya got a scholarship to play for USD and was uh, an outstanding, you know, they won the conference there. She was a two-time All-American, uh, broke all their records to this day. Um, and that's how she ended up in the US. Oh, and you guys, well, and thank you for that because just so everybody knows, I played with these girls and we were friends. And yet I have to share the rest of this story because I didn't even know all this stuff was behind them behind the green bathing suits that they used to wear. And so when she graduated from college, Lena says she moved to San Diego to join her sister. So I'm going back into her words. So the year was 96, the first time beach volleyball was played in the Olympics. Watching the competition from my couch, I started formulating yet another, even more daring dream. I think you're all getting a sense of Lena, a bit of a powerhouse. Could it be possible to play in the Olympics? She asked herself. In our first world international tournaments in 98, we got completely crushed on the court, leaving us to sleep on the streets of Marseille with no money for hotels. I have also been to Marseille. It is the windiest city in the world and you do not wanna be sleeping outside. So it was a new sport requiring a lot of time to learn, but I was working full time to support a family and Petia was still a full-time student. With only seven international tournaments under our belts, we started the year 2000 ranked 73 in the world. Get ready, there's some math here, guys. To qualify for the Sydney Olympics, we needed to pass 50 other teams, better trained and funded, in less than two months. This is ridiculous, to make the qualification. Playing on Bondi Beach in the Olympics, do the math, it means they did it, was a dream come true. And we are literally, this is in my words, we are recording this interview on Olympic Day. Yay! Like, how cool is this? So it could not be better to be able to share this story today. And back into Lena was amazing that, sorry, this is, these are my words again, that on the same soil, Nat, the other half of this podcast, her dream was about to come true as well. And so many hopes and dreams are possible because of these aspiring games. And I did want to mention that on this great day. So back to Lena. After the Sydney Olympic dream, they were joined by their mom and dad in the United States as, we can, as they continue to compete on the international tour, qualifying for and finishing ninth in Athens 2004. The dream didn't stop there. I rebuilt myself from a divorce and bankruptcy to marrying the man of my dreams, and I saw a beautiful ring earlier, and raising a wonderful family with three children while also building a real estate business and starting a foundation, as you do. So Petya, this is the thing that stopped me in my tracks. So Petya kept reaching for the stars, rekindling a childhood dream of hers to become an astronomer, which took her on a 12 year journey to start college all over again, 
from scratch and defend a PhD in astrophysics just days before giving birth to her second baby boy. She received an invitation to join the prestigious Space Telescope Science Institute at John Hopkins University. Ah, tongue twister. The home of the Hubble Space Telescope. Get ready. Studying interstellar dust particles that can give us, a, give us hints of the origins of the universe as well as a glimpse of where we may be headed. Girls, that's your story. I'm completely blown away from your journey and I cannot wait to learn more about you guys. So thank you for being here on Olympic Day. This is awesome. Thank you, Sarah. You are welcome. Okay, so one little note. If Petya, it might be feeding this new baby. Okay, so this isn't so long ago that the baby was inside and now it's outside. And, and so you'll have to watch YouTube if you really want to see that. But she might turn her camera off as well. So Lena, we'll start with you because those were your words. And, you know, you wrote it so beautifully. That's your story. And the dreams that you had for your life, it has me so curious about your upbringing in Bulgaria. You've alluded to it with the ceiling, but I want to ask something because I, when you were describing that, my mind said, well, to know that there was a ceiling implies that you knew that there was something else. How did you know about volleyball scholarships? Like what exposure did you have to possibility under that yoke, as you said? Yeah. Well, again, you know, it, I, when I was uh, about 11, the Cyprian national volleyball team came to play in Bulgaria and we were, we were the, my team was the ball girl. So we would, you know, shag the balls and give them to the, to the players to play. And after the game, we stayed and, you know, I had started, um, our parents actually signed me up for English classes, signed both of us up when we were six years old. And so I was just really excited to try to practice some of my English. So, you know, I approached one of the players and, I said, can we be pen pals? Um, there was no internet at the time, no Facebook, no nothing. So we would literally write letters to each other in mm -hmm. English. And this is a way, a way for me to practice. And in one of the letters I had mentioned to her, I really want to go to the United States, but there is no possibility for me because of finances, because of you know, the restrictions that we have on travel. And she said, well, what about, um, she had a brother that had come to, America and, and he knew that for athletes in the universities there would award scholarships that would pay for your school. She said, what about if you play volleyball for a university? That could be a way to do it. And and I thought that's it. That's the only way that I would be able to do it. Whoa. So okay, that's really cool. So this is actually the girl who saw the letter for you as well. So right. what was going on? Just describe that. So the, this letter, how did it ended up, end up in her garbage and how did she even know to share that with you? So one day, you know, I get my letter from my pen pal and I'm super excited. I open it up. There's another um, kind of in, another letter behind it. And I read my friend's letter first. And she said, look, we, I found this in the trash of our volleyball federation. So she was working for the volleyball federation in Cyprus. And she said, somebody must have thought it was trash and tossed it out, but it caught my eye because it was in English. So I pulled it out of the trash and I realized it was a recruiting letter from the coach, the volleyball coach at the University of Idaho was looking for players. And I just wanted to pass it on to you. This could be your chance to play volleyball in America. 
she didn't know that I was trying to do the same thing. You know, there was like a little book that was published once the wall came down, the Berlin Wall and communism fell. And the little book was published in Bulgaria with the addresses of American universities. So I would handwrite letters to these American universities asking to connect me with the volleyball team and the volleyball coach to see if I can get a scholarship. Well, all of these letters ended up in general admissions and I, I got responses back, but never answering my question. So this was my only connection to a volleyball coach. And it come, when I came to the States, you know, once this happened, I realized that was his only response to all of the letters that he would write to volleyball federations because nobody wanted to give up their players. So all of his letters ended up in the trash. All of my letters ended up in general admission. And because of this written dream to my friend, you know, Sarah, you talk a lot about dreams and how you manifest them and the power of writing it down. This was literally written and this is how it came to manifest in my life. Oh, I know I'm going to cry in this interview. I don't know what it is about that that makes me so emotional, but I feel that I really believe that we all have that in us. And so the fact that you wrote that down and that that the power of that. And so I, Petya, like you're so woven into this initial dream that I have to ask you, what did you think when your sister leaves to go off and do that? Like what was even in your mind when she's off to a foreign land to play volleyball. What were you thinking? Thank you, Sarah, for having us. I was uh, a little bit sad because Lina was my sister and my friend and to see her leave um, meant that kind of a part of me was departing. Although at first, honestly, when I heard that she was going to Idaho, I heard, I didn't know what Idaho was. I mean, I heard Moscow, Idaho, and I thought, oh, Moscow, she's not going too far away. Uh, she's going to Russia, you know, just up <laughs> up on the map from Bulgaria, <laughs> honestly. But anyways, once it became clear she was going halfway across the world, it was a little bit sad, but I knew that that's something she wanted to do. And I was a part of the process, seeing how she asked her volleyball teammates to record those tapes with her to have, you know, to set her a bunch of balls so she could hit so the coach could see how well she hit and pass and block and stuff like that. So I remember sitting there shagging balls for all, for all that. I thought it was an adventure. I was too young. Uh, and then maybe a couple of years after she had left, I thought, oh, I guess I'm just kind of going to follow in the footsteps of my sister. That would be great. But I want to do something a little different. I, of course, little siblings want to do something a little different, even if it's the perfect thing they get to do. I said, I'm going to go and play maybe for Australia or New Zealand, something like that. <laughs> That's seriously what I like, how different my dream was. I'm going to do the same, but somewhere else. But of course, my sister told you the story of how she paved the way um, by, you know, making this promise to the coach that I was twice as good as her. And no, I was not twice as good as her, but because I couldn't let her have, to have her have lied. Sorry about my English there. <laughs> I had to uh, live up to that. So anyways. Yeah, she, she almost like painted this frame that you were like, okay, I better rise into that. Yeah. My coach, Sue Snyder here, kept saying, she said you were twice as good. I said, okay, let me practice a little harder. I, I think I can be. <laughs> and you got to San Diego with beaches, and it looks just like Australia. So you, you kind of like, you were manifesting the right, the right idea around the ocean. So when, when you say that you're, you saw your sister do the adventure, and you thought, what is it that had you wanted to 
even though maybe you wanted to go do it a bit different, you did want to leave. There was a sense of like going somewhere. Why do you, what was on your heart for that? Why did you want to go somewhere? That's a good, good question. I, I haven't thought of that, but now that I think about it, I have to say that it was that Lena was having a good time there. She was doing what she loved. And also the circumstances at home in Bulgaria were such that our parents had started preparing us to, to know English, to, to do something with ourselves that, that could take us somewhere, that it was almost a no brainer once she had blazed this trail and we saw that it was possible. Um, it's just, although it seemed like the default thing for me to do, it was again, something that I wanted to do because there was a way for me to do it. And even though I had no, um, no way to, I didn't have that American dream like my sister had. I, I hadn't read the novels or the articles, but I knew it was an opportunity that um, at home in Bulgaria, the opportunities were decreasing. There was more of a streamlined road that you had to take if you wanted to keep playing volleyball. You had to stay at home. And I was about to sign a contract with a, the brand new sponsor for a club team. And I said, I can't. I am going to America, I, uh, to the US. I, I can't be a professional athlete. So I didn't sign that contract that it was going to be a small you know, stipend. But in any case, I, I made sure you know, I was studying and it was just fun to think to be where my sister was. Sure. I wanted to be there too. And I get that some of these things, like you said, when you're little, we don't, only in retrospect, do we start to think about some of the moves that we make. And so Lena, when I think about you in in Idaho it was just a beginning so tell me a little bit about you know you're playing San Diego you say things like oh I gotta have a great game like do you strategize these things are you like a goal setter like I'm gonna play great then I'm gonna tap her on the shoulder and I'm tell her about my sister and then I'm gonna get my parents here like how does your mind think Lena are you like strategically goal setting like that yeah I think Sarah you know it's interesting because I, I am very intentional because I realized very early on that things are not going to be handed to me. Um, and I realized that when I was probably uh, 15 years old and I was on, you know, Petya and I were on an elite club teams in, in Bulgaria where we were being trained to be professional athletes from a very young age. I had reached the top level of my team um, and, and at one point we got a new coach the new coach that came to coach that team decided for whatever reason that i wasn't a part of her of the team's future and so she told our captain to come and tell me that i'm off the team i'm cut and then i need to go to you know this other team's practice the next day well the captain delivers the news to me and you can imagine having spent my entire life training and preparing for this thing and this is basically like a death sentence you know it's like you're not going to make it you're cut you're done i go home that night i can't even like utter the words to my parents um because i thought if i say it out loud it would make it real and and i couldn't face up that real i couldn't face that reality i thought like, I thought I was going to die that night. Like, I was going to, you know, I'm going to sleep. I'm crying my eyes out. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to wake up in the morning. Well, of course, I wake up in the morning. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed completely thinking, okay, if I woke up, that means there has to be another way. And I'm just sitting there going, you know, I am going to my team's practice. 
if I'm going to get cut, the coach will have to do it to my face. Like basically accept complete humiliation, but not give up on my team, on the team that I worked really hard to get on. So I go to my practice. Of course, everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy and why am I humiliating myself like this? And I line up just with all the other players and the coach goes from player to player and she comes and stares at me. And there was a moment in that that we're communicating without any words, but she's looking straight into my eyes and she sees that I won't quit. You know, and I think it was that I won't quit you I won't quit this, that she passes on without saying a word. And I basically realize I have another chance. Like this is my chance to prove myself. And from that moment on, you know, I double up on my efforts and practice. And by the end of the year, I'm, I'm starting on that team. So it was that defining moment that kind of lets me know you're not going to be handed anything like it's not going to happen for you that way you if you want something you need to create it so that you know later that experience with petya i know i have to do something it's not you know the coach is not going to come and approach me and say you're so good do you by chance have a little sister that plays volleyball like that's not going to happen i need to go and ask for it mm, i get it that's really powerful and I get that moment where you decided if things are going to get created, they're, they're because I went out there and I was deliberate. Wow, I get yeah. it. And so when you were on the, uh, I'll I just, well, I want to keep going with you, Lena, on this idea when you were sitting on the couch and you see the 96 Olympics, you know, the first time beach volleyball is there. What kicks in for you around that? Why that one? What was, what was that leap for you around the Olympics? That was really, like, when we were little, you know, when you start playing a sport, of course, you're just imagining things in your, you know, in your little girl play-like, and we're just like, with my friends, we would go and practice extra, and we'd go, oh, one day we can be in the Olympics, and we would sing the national anthem, you know, as if we were in the Olympics, but that, like, I had completely given that up, obviously, because, you know, I wasn't playing for Bulgaria anymore. I playing in Idaho. I wasn't coming back on the national team. I kind of cut those ties. And, and I knew that wasn't going to happen. But all of a sudden, beach volleyball is an Olympic sport. And all I need is another Bulgarian player with me. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, you know, how could that happen? And I'm going like, maybe Petya can play with me. So, you know, I drag her out on the beach and she can tell you that story. <laughs> yeah. So, so Petya, you're like, you're like this, um, amazing person that just, your sister has these grand visions and then you are like, you seem to be really, you just allow it. I, I've always um, felt you like that. you you seem a little, um, not a little, a lot go with the flow and easygoing. Is that true? That's true. Yeah, it's true. Like I, when I think of what has, what Lena has just narrated for you, it really is how it happened. And, and it's her, her drive that has paved the way for a lot of what myself and my family have come to reap as a reward. And, you know, we've complemented each other very well in that sense. So little sister, big sister, there has to be some complementarity, especially, you know, Sarah on the court and, that's that's kind of what happened i've been just following her in her footsteps i do think that as you said earlier there are no coincidences so from the very beginning 
there has been a stage set for our journeys in life and that's uh, we were we were tuning into what path we had to take so we were attentive and following the leads and lena was definitely the one the more aggressive one taking these bold steps which i certainly think i i may not have taken yeah so i was i was doing that and when she came to me with the idea to play volleyball i somehow inside myself i rejected it because it was very difficult to play on the beach as you know at first i was tripping in the little tiny sand dunes the sun was in my eyes the sand i got dirty oh, i did not <laughs> i did not like it but then in our very first tournament not on the beach but on the grass in seattle we happened to sign a plus minute for a tournament we we won this grass tournament and it was a lot of fun we got a ball as a reward i really like that like a volleyball the more the better <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're the rich sport, hey, Petya? Yeah, exactly. Beach chairs, towels, you know, then we played in a beach volleyball tournament. We won that. And I thought, hey, this is kind of fun. Let's let's see where it's going. But again, I feel like, uh, yeah, I've been following and have been receptive and open to where where I'm supposed to be. And, yeah. So in that drive for Sydney 2000, you know, going from 73, you know, moving those 50 spots, those were real games where clearly there was a winning streak happening in order for you to achieve that. What did you in particular feel in relation to making that goal happen that in a way seemed almost impossible? What's your relationship to like a goal that seems impossible? That was an impossible, uh, pretty much impossible goal. And I didn't have it. Honestly, I didn't have it as a goal to play in the Olympics. I, it was, out there somewhere in the beginning of 2000 i was finishing my undergraduate studies here in san diego i was finishing the last year on my team and i thought let's just play and see what happens but i didn't somehow i didn't even have it as a dream growing up to play but i did watch like lena the olympics in 1996 but i watched the indoor team and i was really inspired i mean all the indoor um, women's matches so it was it was just so unfathomable because we really did have to be in the top 24 as you know in the world and there was a winning streak there that happened it was kind of despite all odds we we did do we did what we had to do like we did sleep on on the beach um we slept in the hotel on you know on the ground floor of the hotel in marseille and all that we did all that <laughs> we, we didn't pay a taxi driver to take us to the airport in marseille sorry uh, <laughs> We've all been there. We my watch, you know, that the Swiss had given us at the previous tournament. He didn't want it. Uh, oh, wow. So we did what we had to, but it was, it was, uh, it was somehow from above because honestly, we had a game or two in Osaka, Japan, that were um, were just we one we beat teams that we shouldn't have beat, and the streaks were there, and we played some very good teams. So I don't know. It happened. Only God knows why it happened <laughs> yeah lena you, i know you yeah say something I, that's good I'll just, I'll just add something here because you know petty is really humble and um she's the kind of person like i said you know i'll just take the ball and pass it to her but she could do miracles with the ball you know um and that's what she does in her life like i may have been the one trailblazing but I had somebody that was extremely talented that I can play with. And she learned this completely new sport, you know, for us, 
very quickly under very difficult circumstances with a sister that was going like, we're going to play in the Olympics, you know, not, not the ideal. But here's, uh, there's another story that I have to tell you, Sarah. So you know how we slept beach that one year when we got completely crushed. And then the following year, I said to myself, we are not sleeping on, on the streets again. Like, I don't care what we have to do, but we're not going to repeat that. And so there, here's something that I want to share with you because of how, you know, how dreams come true and how we can tap into this kind of a limited source of ideas and information and, and things that are there to help us if we only choose to tune into it. So we go to bed um, the night before one of the most important competitions and, and I will myself to have a dream for a strategy of how to beat this team that up to this point, you know, they're like ranked so much higher than us in, and there's no way on paper that we can beat them. But I, I know that we have to come up with something. And usually, you know, in those early days, I was the one coming up with the strategy. So I have a dream that this is what we're going to do. And I had it mapped out point by point, Sarah. So in the morning, I tell Petya, this is what we're going to do. This is the first point. This is the second point. This is the third point. And and I, like I said, I mean, I have an amazing partner that will just take the ball and run with it. So we do it and we crush them. I mean, they didn't even know what happened. Like we beat them 15-4 before they could even avoid cup. And it was all following this intuition That's and true. this tapping into this subconscious mind that almost could see in the future or create the future by doing certain things wow. and, you know, materializing that thing. So... That is, you know, and, and with us sitting at seven, number 73 in the world and having to jump 50 other teams, I remember this other moment where I'm sitting with Petya on, on my bed and I go, Petya, why do you think that we're going to beat all these other teams and go to the Olympics? And Petya said something very profound in that moment. I don't know if she remembers it, but she goes, I have no idea. <laughs> And I go, okay, we can't. Why not? <laughs> I have no idea. But you know what was okay? So here's the genius in this. The genius in this is that don't look at where you need to go in when the goal is so big and so overwhelming and so impossible. What you have to do, and what I did in that moment, is focus on the next step. Like this is when you put your head down and you go and you just look at what's the next indicated step. This is what we do today. This is what we do tomorrow. This is what we do in the next match. I never looked at the rankings again because I knew the rankings would crush, you know, just the enormity of where we were and how far we had to go. It would completely crush my thinking. So in each moment we committed to this, we're not looking at the rankings. Mm. But we're focusing on what we have to do. So this is something that I think is a strategy that I came up with in that moment because of how we were forced in the situation. It's like the bigger the goal or the bigger the dream, the smaller your focus needs to be. So you narrow it down and you don't look up. Now, if you're in a different, in the opposite situation, you know, when, when you're not as challenged, that's when you can look up and see, okay, here's where I am, this is where I wanna go. But when you're faced with something so big, you focus. I'm so glad that you shared that because I really get the relationship between you and Petya is that that's the gift, Petya, that you bring that's almost hard for you to even call it something because 
you are the moment by moment girl. You're like, that's why you look easy going because you're like, I'm here. I just do what my sister dreams. Exactly. I'm like, I spike. <laughs> I just, perf you know, our, our coach, cause I had the same coach as Nat for many years. Steve Anderson used to say things like you have a performer and almost like more the strategist. So if two people are trying to do that, that's where all the conflict happens. But you guys, that's the beautiful mix. You know, you have, here's the game plan. And then the other one going, okay, I'll execute that. I mean, that's also something really beautiful. And so, yeah, your story is just like every single thing that I've experienced in life, you guys are the example of it. So it's just so awesome to hear. I wish I had kind of had more of these consciousnesses when I was playing myself. Cause sometimes like you said, it was like the overwhelm. It was just so big. And to know what you just said and say, Hey, now it's time to narrow in. All I've got is right now. I mean, that's awesome. So Petya, I'm so curious about this because we see the driver, right? We see your sister really driving this incredible journey that you're on and your willingness. Personally, I think that's just as powerful and I hope everybody gets how big a part that is to allow it to happen is just as magnificent. So astronomer, yeah. you start to have this dream. That's not your sister's dream. It's your dream. How does it start hatching? And what was it like for you? Like, what were you like in your following of that dream? How it started must have been sitting on the roof of my garage with my best friend, looking at a magazine with a star, uh, yeah, star chart and trying to map the star chart to the sky and just notice the constellation that I saw on the paper. And that was so much fun. I think I did it when I was 10 or 12. I never really dreamed to be an astronomer, but I dreamed to do astronomy. Um, and so whatever that entailed, you know, whether being amateur or not, I think it was just um, after volleyball was over for me, I knew I wasn't going professionally into volleyball, meaning coaching after my playing career. It was just wasn't on my heart. Although I love coaching and we have coached Lynn and I, this is, we coached at the local junior team here in San Diego and we had our beach clinic. So I just started kind of looking to see what I needed to do to become, to, to know about astronomy. So I started taking classes in the local community college here and it was really interesting. And I loved my professors and what they showed us with their backyard telescopes. So anyways, little by little, I thought, okay, I can do this. Um, and someone said, well, you two get an astronomy degree, you need to know a lot of physics and math. And I was like, really? Because I didn't study that as an undergrad. So I need to do it, start over again, like Lena said. So I did start over almost. And I just did like what Lena said, I just did what I had to do next. Um, I hardly ever envisioned getting a PhD, but I just took the steps awesome. <laughs> that I did. And you know, getting a PhD, it's just, I believe that we, um, we, ha we have an infinite amount of time on this earth uh, and so we have an infinite amount of time to learn so getting a PhD is one step in the process I mean you know infinite so I thought getting this PhD is one way to continue to to do astronomy which is what I love to do and I'm getting to study these very interesting properties of space interstellar dust so Anyways, this and I was want to ask you. Now I want to ask you one more thing, but I'm also getting this idea about how Lena almost studies the universe in in her methodology, and now you do it from 
you know, from the star's point of view by looking up. And so when you defended your PhD, I know you're about to have a baby. I don't know if those hormones were raging or what, but when you're in that moment, how are you at celebrating? Like, do you actually say, wow, like good on you. That's uh-huh. awesome. Or are you just cool cash? How are you about all of that? You know, um, I tend to find that my fellow scientists, fellow astronomers, they achieve amazing things and they're a little, some of them are a little more subdued in how they celebrate. Others are more exuberant, but um, having to defend online, one of the, you know, beginning cases of people defending online since we couldn't meet in person, the celebration was virtual. I did get delivered right as I defended, I did get delivered cupcakes, these amazing sprinkles cupcakes from my research group here at UC San Diego. So that was great. We got to eat a bunch of sweet cupcakes here with my husband. He ate most of them. We, uh, you know, we celebrated, I actually pulled my dissertation defense to be before, you know, well before my, the birth of my baby, the term came up so that I could defend because as you know, with hormones after you give birth and with all how busy you are, you may not uh, find yourself being able to focus on this very important day of your life. (laughs) So Everything went very smoothly. We celebrated and then we got together with family and we celebrated again. Mother's Day was shortly thereafter. So we, my, my first son's birthday, May 10th, was also on that day. So it was very, very sweet. Lovely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think my feeling about you, Petya, is that your life speaks louder than any of your words. You know, and that's what's so beautiful about wanting to share your story because even though... I think you're quite understated and humble, like your sister said. I think, again, your actions and who you are in the world is the learning and the demonstration. Like Nat and I both saying to each other, imagine that. Imagine just looking at life like that and saying, hey, I'm going to take that on. And 12 years later, there you are. And it's just a new beginning for you. Not, a, not only as a new mom to a new little one, but, you know, as a, an astronomer. Well, I guess just playing with, you know, like you said, you didn't want to be an astronomer. You liked astronomy. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly. quite an interesting distinction. Now, I'm just aware of your ba- your feeding schedule. So- I'm good. I think we're good. The okay, stuff. good. Because I was like, oh, you know, I don't like, I remember. No worries. Yeah, everything's good. But I do, Lena, I want to, just a final question. As the person who kind of started this whole dream life flow for your family, when you look back on it all, and I know it's not over. It's just a beginning because, you know, you've recreated a whole family. You have three kids, Lena. But as you look back on all that's been created so far, what does that inspire for your future? Hmm. It's a good question because I think, you know, we always have more things to dream about. Um, for example, you know, we're always, we're always faced with something, um, whether it's in our business or in our life, like um, one of the latest things that uh, my husband and I set out to do is basically, you know, how can we create a life for our family that we could enjoy as much as possible, like create freedom in terms of time. Um, And one of the things that, you know, was really important to me is how can we have our parents um, who live in San Diego be close to us. Um, they had lost a house in the housing crisis of 2008. 
and uh, were facing retirement. And so one of the things that, you know, was really important to me was that they have a place to live, that they're near us, that they have a retirement that is really enjoyable. And so you just, I just apply, you know, whatever the, the skills that I've learned through sports and all the other um, things that I've gone through to this new situation. So, you know, they have a beautiful home that's not too far away, right between Petya and I, so the grandkids can visit. And um, I, I think life just keeps unfolding in that way. Beautiful. I love that. And I, I love what you just said about applying what you learned to the new situation. And Nat and I are really passionate about that too. It took us a while to sort of, we call it like we reversed engineered a couple of things and we saw trends, you know, like for Nat, she was reverse engineering. Well, how did this gold thing happen? Like you, it was, you know, to beat a team that you've never beaten before, but do it on the most important day. I mean, how did that happen? It wasn't just accidental. There was like, it was a cause set in motion, you know? And then even when we went to Switzerland, we said, what did we actually do to go from, hey, this would be a great idea to actually living there? So thank you to both of you for being a demonstration and for giving a strategy, you know, to, to continue to showcase what it takes and like Lena being able to describe it, Petya being able to be it. I mean, what a combination. So you two, I feel like there's another interview that's coming, but thank you for this first one. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. 